You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, look with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 12. As you're turning there, I want to invite you this morning to, to take a minute to pray with me. You know, it's interesting that Jesus said that His house would be the house of prayer. Not the house of sermons, though you're going to get a sermon this morning. Not the house of singing. But Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And so I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. Because if there's anything I would want us to be known as a congregation, it would be, I would want us to be known for how we love and how we pray. Um, and always kind of at the forefront, when we gather corporately like this, on the forefront of my mind is our church family. Our church family that spread throughout this community. How many of you know that the, the church of God is much bigger than Grace Covenant, right? I mean, it's about the Baptist folks, the Methodist folks, the Presbyterian folks, Catholic folks, Episcopalian. How many of you know we're all in the same family, right? We all came through the same door. We came through the way of Christ. So we're not in competition with any other church in our community. Actually, we're kind of like in partnership with that's like when I was coming down Interstate 21, uh, coming down Highway 21 this morning, I saw the sign for Life Fellowship. And I just said a quick prayer for my pastor friend, Pastor Bobby, and, and the folks at Life Fellowship, just that they would be effective in mission. Because this is what I know, when they win, we win. Right? When they win, we win. So we always want to be praying for churches throughout our community. And so I want to to invite you to join me as uh, we take just a minute to do that this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you today for the outrageous way that you have blessed us as a congregation above and beyond. Lord, to be able to celebrate with these folks who were baptized today. Lord, to uh, celebrate that of your grace to us, your grace through us. Again, God, we just say thanks. Now, Lord, with, uh, with gratitude we come this morning, blessing the churches throughout our community. It doesn't matter, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Baptist, Episcopalian. Um, Lord, wherever your name is proclaimed and your truth taught today throughout our community, we just ask that you would bless. God, pour out your spirit. May individuals be encountered, encouraged, transformed. And God, may you be honored through your church in the Lake Norman community. And Lord, as well, near to my heart, Lord, we pray today for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, for that city you call your own, that land, the nation of Israel, that you call your own. God, what we know, Lord, not only have you uh, been working there, but Lord, as we come to the end, Lord, Israel plays into your plan. And so, Lord, today, as your word directs, we speak peace, peace for that city and peace for that nation. And Lord, as we look to your word this morning, Holy Spirit, help us to see what we need to see, hear what we need to hear, catch what we need to catch. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're concluding the sermon that we began last week talking about being really rich. So if you were not here last week, I would encourage you to check out the podcast so you can catch up with what we talked about last Sunday. But as we're talking about being really rich, we're not talking about worldly rich. We're not talking about heaping up piles of money. As we talk about being really rich, we're talking about being rich in a way that God says we are rich. Because this is what I've discovered. It's possible to be worldly rich yet heavenly poor. To have an abundance of stuff now but not be living rich according to what God says. And as I said last week, folks, what really matters when it's all said and done is what God says. Would you agree with that? Listen, you need to be a whole lot more concerned about what God says than what the preacher says, right? 
Because he has what he has, the final word. So we want to live our lives rich according to what God values. And as I said last week, there's, there's this huge perspective difference between how God views what's valuable and what God says is valuable and what we as humans say is valuable. And so we want to we come to the place that we have God's perspective. And that's what we've been talking about in this sermon as to what really matters. Because again... There's a big difference between what we value as humans and what God values. And I I, I think we see this perspective um, in an an old joke. Maybe you've heard the joke before, but it illustrates this truth. Here's the joke. There was a rich man on his deathbed who prayed to be allowed to take his wealth into heaven. And an angel appears to him in a prayer. And they work out this little deal with him that he would be able to bring one carry-on to heaven. And so he takes his largest suitcase, he fills it with gold bars, and he sets it beside his bed. So when he dies, he can like have it there to take with him. Well, the day came when he died, and he showed up in heaven with his carry-on luggage. And as he approached St. Peter, St. Peter said, you can't bring that in. The guy says, hey, I made a deal with God. He said, I could bring one carry-on into heaven. Peter said, let me check that out. He went to the books, checked it out. Man's name, yes, one carry-on. He said, well, before you can get that into heaven, I need to see the contents of what you hold so valuable. And so the man, with great pride, laid his suitcase down, unzipped it, flipped the lid back, full of gold, and Peter just begins to laugh outrageously. And the man is a bit, bit offended. I mean, this is just like life worth here, his net worth, all of this gold. And Peter's laughing. He says, why are you laughing? And Peter says, well, the very thing you brought to heaven is what you're going to be walking on throughout eternity. <laughs> Obviously, the story's not true. It's a fictional story. But I think it really helps us see that what God sees as valuable... It's really different from what we see as valuable. And so we want to be living our lives, investing in what matters. Because what you don't want to do, friends, what you don't want to do is come to the end of your life and find out that you've been climbing the ladder leaning against the wrong building, right? That you've been living your life for the wrong purpose. Because what you can't do is you can't like rewind the clock and have a do-over. Like when you come to the end of your life, listen, there's no mulligans, Right? They're like, I'm going to hit the ball again. No. When you come to the end of your life, you're at the end of your life. And at that point, it's too late to make the adjustments. But we need to gain understanding now to help us make the right adjustments now so that we can live our lives really, really rich. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. So let me give you, there's a quick review from last week. For those of you who are not here, I shared some good news and some bad news. Good news and bad news. Do you remember the good news? What's the good news? We are we're rich. We're really rich. And that's the good news. Now, I know probably in a gathering this large, there's individuals, maybe you're financially strapped, you're unemployed, you're underemployed. Um, I understand that life brings challenges. But if we were to take an honest assessment of the opportunities we have, the relationships we have, all that we've been blessed with, I think if we were to be honest in it, we would have to say, wow, we are so blessed. I mean, just to live in North Carolina, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you're living in the promised land right now. (laughs) If you don't believe that, just go to West Texas for a couple years and then come back and you will understand (laughs) promised land. We're living in it. We're living the dream. we're, We're so blessed. So the first thing we need to understand, here's the good news, what we are rich. But we also had some bad news we talked about last night. What's the bad news? Yeah. 
we are rich. And if we're not careful, the stuff, the temporary stuff, the riches, can trip us up. can mislead us. It can wreck us. The temporary stuff, the stuff that's not going to carry on into eternity, can cause you to miss what's eternally valuable. What's eternally significant. We, 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 listen, we don't want that to happen. As we ended last week, we said we want to live our lives so that we're rich in the things that really matter. So we're going to dig a little deeper into that this morning. Because again, when we're, finished, when we're finished with our life on this earth, we all want to finish well. And we want to hear God say what? Well done, right? We want to finish well. We want to run well, finish well, and hear God say, well done. Well done, my faithful servant. I really appreciate the statement that Pastor Rick Warren makes in his book, Purpose Driven Life. I have it there in your notes this morning. He says, you, you weren't created just to consume resources, to eat, to breathe, to take up space. God designed you to make a difference with your life. What matters is not the duration of one's life, but the donation of one's life. Not how long you live, but how you live. Not what you accumulate while you're here, but what matters is what you do with what you accumulate while you're here. What matters is not the duration. How many of you know you have no control over the duration? Tomorrow might be your day. Next week might be your day. Fifty years from now might be your day. None of us know the duration, but we can all impact the donation. I can't determine the duration of my life, but what I can determine, I can determine how I'm going to live my life. So what matters is not the years. What matters is how you live the years. In Psalm 49, you don't have to turn there, but at the top of your notes, just jot down Psalm 49. Psalm 49 is a great psalm of perspective. If you haven't read Psalm 49 recently, I would encourage you sometime today or this week, reflectively read Psalm 49. And it kind of brings everything into perspective about life. And as you come to the last verse of the chapter, Psalm 49, verse 20, listen to what the Scripture says. A man who has riches, that's us, a man who has riches without understanding is like the beast that perishes. So if you have riches and you don't have insight and understanding about the riches, then the psalmist says you are like the animal that perishes and is no more. So if we have riches, then we all do. What do we need? We need understanding. We need insight as to how we, how we use the riches. See, we, we should celebrate the goodness and blessing of God, but we have to know the why. Why? Why has God blessed you with so much? Why has God given you the opportunities that He's given you? Why has God placed you here in North Carolina in this time? Why has God given you riches? Listen, if you haven't asked the why question in a while, you need to ask why. It's really important that you understand the why. If you don't know the why, listen, the stuff, the temporary stuff, again, can trip you up can rob you. So why? In this past week, a great leader in the church went home to be with Jesus. Dr. Billy Graham passed away. 
You know, this is what I can say about Dr. Graham. He knew the why of his life. Obviously, he was blessed. He was blessed with opportunity. He was blessed with relationships. He was blessed with resources. And he leveraged all of that to live his life rich. I was reading an article recently that said he impacted 215 million people in 185 nations around the world. Someone asked me just yesterday, Pastor, what do you think it was like when Dr. Graham got to heaven? I said, I think they had a party. (laughs) But if you were to read about Dr. Graham's life, I've read several of his books, especially his autobiography. This is what you would discover Dr. Graham saying of his own life. I was just a country boy that grew up in North Carolina that made myself available to God. That would be his own statement of his own life. Yet he lived rich. He honored God. That's the way we want to live our lives. One of my favorite sayings from Dr. Graham kind of connects into what we're talking about today. I have it on the screen. Notice he says, God has given us two hands. One to receive with and the other to give with. So hold your hands out in front of you like this. God's given you what? Okay. One, two. It's two. You have them out in front of you. They're called hands. God's giving you what? Two hands. Thank you. One to receive with and one to give with. That's how we live rich. Here's the challenge, though, for humanity, including us. As we have a tendency to take our two hands and use them to receive wet. And we make it about us. And we live poor rather than living rich. God's giving you two hands, one to receive with. Listen, it's good to receive. Let's celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Throw a party. It's good to receive. But He's also giving you another hand. And it's a hand to give with. This morning we want to look at a story that's the opposite of Dr. Graham's story. It's recorded for us in Luke 12. I I briefly referred to this story last week, but I want us to read it in full this morning. Let me give you the context. Here's the context. Jesus is teaching one day and there's a large crowd in the midst of all the people that's there. There's one man who's having a problem with his brother. There's a little sibling rivalry going on. And because Jesus is like this person of authority, someone in the crowd yells out, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my part of the inheritance. In other words, he's ripping me off and I want my fair share. Jesus, help me get justice. And it's interesting that Jesus takes that question and he goes much deeper. Really to the root of the root of the the issue. So let's pick up there and read this story. Luke chapter 12. Beginning with verse 14, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In other words, listen, Jesus, this is what Jesus says. He says, your value is not determined by what you have. We may call it net worth today as an accounting term. But listen, your worth is not defined by what you can hold in your hands. Life's met, a man's life's not, Jesus said, not determined by what you have, your abundance. Notice verse 16. 
He told this story. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all of my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, notice my grains, my good, say to myself, Self, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, this guy's saying, hey, I have all that I need. I'm just going to, I'm going to take care of me. Obviously, he was blessed, bumper crop. What's he going to do? Tears down barns, bigger, builds bigger barns. He's expanding the operation. Everything looks great. As he's living for himself, this self-centered existence. He's thinking he's doing pretty good. Remember what I said earlier, what really matters is what God says, right? So notice what God says about this rich farmer. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Notice verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. If you have your Bible out there, would you underline the phrase rich toward God? That's a significant phrase. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We want to be those who live our lives rich toward What's the rich that really matters? When we talk about really rich, again, we're not talking about green stuff. We're talking about verse 21. We want to be rich toward God. So let's bring this into some application. How can you live your life rich toward God? What does that look like? How can we achieve that? Because if we want to be rich in what really matters, then we want to live our lives rich toward God. Let me give you really quick this morning three ways that I believe we live our lives being rich toward God. The first is this. God wants you to be rich in good deeds. Rich in good deeds. So let's talk about that for just a minute. What do you think good deeds looks like? What does good deeds look like? Really loud because I'm deaf. I'm sorry? Caring? Sharing? Both. Caring and sharing. So if I have more than I need and I see someone in need and I share with them, um, not to pat myself on the back. Really, it's all about my chickens, but my chickens have been laying more eggs than I need, so I brought a dozen of eggs in and I gave them to some. I shared my bounty with someone else. But what is it? It's, a, it's, it's simple, but it's what? It's a good deed. So, Miss Jean says, sharing. Someone else? Encouragement. Encouragement. So there can be a, a good deed that actually look. It's a word that's spoken, and we, we encourage others. Serving, serving's kind. Serving's right, but that's really broad. So let's bring it down to a really practical. Serving where? Serving what? Serving who? Yeah, I don't know what you said, but yeah, I hope you're right. So, I'm. Thank you. 
Abundance. So serving abundance, is that what you said? Okay. What about serving in the Mooresville Soup Kitchen? Let's take it there. There's individuals who are homeless, who are poor, and you say, hey, I have two hours a week I can give. I'm going to go and serve someone. That's an act of kindness, right? That's a good deed. Someone, you're on your way to church, and someone has a flat tire. They're on the side of the road, tire's flat. You stop, and you help them change the tire. What is that? That's a, that's a, that's a good deed. Um, you make the pastor an apple pie. That's a good <laughs> deed, right? You know I had to throw that in. I really don't need one. But just, like, just this week, somebody made me a sweet potato cake that was awesome. What was that? That was a good deed to the pastor. And I'm working to not allow that to catch up with me. But I, I, all of that, all of that is how we live out good deeds. And when we're, when we're doing good deeds, what are, we, what are we doing? We're being rich toward God. And here's the great thing about good deeds. Anyone and everyone can do good deeds, right? So let me ask you a couple of questions this morning. Do you have to have a lot of money to do good deeds? No. No. Do you have to have like a degree, like graduated from college to do good deeds? No. No. So whether you have little education or a lot of education, you can still do good deeds. Are there any age limits on doing good deeds? No. No. So the five-year-old to the 95-year-old, anywhere in between, where you can do good deeds. So anyone and everyone can do good deeds. Anyone and everyone can live rich toward God. And here's the exciting thing. It can happen every day, anywhere, all the time. And as you begin to train yourself to see opportunity, it's all around us. Every day, what you can be living rich toward God as you're doing good deeds. In First Timothy, First Timothy chapter six, I want you to catch what Paul says here. It's on the screen. Uh, follow along as I read. Command those who are rich. So who's Paul talking to here? Us. So we could read this like this: Command all of those at Grace Covenant this morning, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us, notice, everything for our enjoyment. So if you've been blessed, listen, celebrate it. God's given it to you for your enjoyment. But notice it goes on to say, command them to do good. Here it is, to be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. So what God wants you to be rich in good deeds, that's how you, that's how you live rich toward God. But what we must understand, I need to say this, we're not saved by good deeds, but we're saved for good deeds. And I always want to make sure I clarify this, because I don't want anyone to go away today thinking, well, if I, if I do this good thing and this good thing and this good thing, then I can get salvation. No, listen, friend, you're saved by grace and grace alone, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But Christ in us, the presence of Christ in us should result in what? Good deeds. Our lives should be marked by, by good deeds. So good deeds are acts of kindness and generosity that point to God, not to me, that reveal the love of God and that meet others at their point of needs. That's what good deeds are. You know, there's a, a great illustration of good deeds that honor God. It's happening here today. 
actually it's been building all month and and we're seeing the fruit of it today Jonathan earlier spoke of a ministry called Grace Feeding Grace, where individuals today, if they have need, can receive several bags of groceries. Like if the pantry's bare, they can pick up food today. It's a Grace Covenant family that's bringing provision. Let me tell you how that, that happened. Some of you this week, or a couple weeks ago, you were at the grocery store, you were doing your shopping. And instead of getting two cans of beans, you got three cans of beans, two for you, and you had one extra. And you bought the one extra on purpose because you knew that you wanted to bless someone who had a point of need. And instead of getting two boxes, instead of getting one box of rice, you picked up two boxes of rice. And you brought one to the church. So you brought one can of beans and one box of rice. What were you doing? You were doing a good deed so that someone today might leave with several bags of groceries. What are you doing? You're living your life rich toward God. Amazing. So simple. But to see the opportunity, to seize the opportunity, and to bring honor to God as we're, as we're doing good deeds. The second way that we can be rich toward God is to understand that God wants you to be rich in generosity. So God doesn't want us to be ruled by greed. Rather, he wants, us, he wants our lives to be marked by generosity, outrageous generosity. Even as God is outrageously generous, would you agree with that? Our God is outrageously generous. So He wants us to follow His model, to imitate Him, to be outrageously generous. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 11, I think verses 11 is on the screen, but let me read verse 6 for you that leads us to verse 11. Verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Then verse 11 goes on to say, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. So a couple, couple of truths we need to grab from these two verses of Scripture. The first is really simple. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. As you sow, so you reap. In the proportion you sow, you'll reap in your life. Now, being a gardener, I love garden, I love the farm. Being a gardener, I understand this principle. If I sow one kernel of corn, I get one stalk of corn. And on one stalk of corn, I get two ears of corn. I sowed little, I reaped a little. But if I sow a thousand kernels of corn... I get a thousand stalks of corn that produces, do the math, that produces 2,000 ears of corn. What I sowed more, so I, I reap more. Pretty simple. So here's the question I have for you. How are you sowing? What's your sowing look like? If you want your reaping to look different, you have to come back and look at what you're sowing. Hey, here's the second principle that we want to pick up from 2 Corinthians 9. It's this fact, God has made you rich so that. If you look back to verse 11, Scripture says that God's made you rich in every way so that for the purpose of. Why has God made you rich for the purpose of you being generous on every occasion? So when you ask the why question, why has God blessed me with so much? Here's the answer. 
so that. So that you can be generous on every occasion. See, we've been blessed. We've been blessed with more, not just so we could have more, but so that we can give more. That's the reason God blessed. Matter of, one of my favorite slogans for for life is this, and I try to live this out every day. I don't I don't try to just say it. I really try to flesh it out. God has blessed me to be a blessing. Once God blessed you, He's blessed you to be a blessing. So that you can allow God to flow through your life. See, if we, if we truly come to understand this principle, this is what we all are. We're all conduits. God flows His goods to us so that He can flow them through us so that we can be a blessing to others. And along the way, we get to enjoy it. Pretty radical. So God wants us to be, He wants us to be rich in generosity. And as we're rich in generosity, then it really opens our lives in a radical way. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. It's on the screen from the message paraphrase. says this, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped and what we must know folks is that money and material possessions are simply tools through which we honor god and help others if you rightly use the tool your life will be rich in the things that really matter we'll be rich in good deeds we're going to be rich in generosity here's the third way that we live our lives rich toward god is god wants you to be rich in relationships relationships Marriage, family, neighborhood, work, school. To be rich in relationships. You know, in my, in my pastoral career, I've done literally hundreds, hundreds of funerals. Did one this past week. It's almost like I'm in this routine of doing a funeral a week now. Um, I've done hundreds of funerals. And not once, not once have I stood on the platform and talked about how much stuff someone had. You know what I always talk about? I always talk about relationship. You know why? That's what really matters. Not only that, in my pastoral career, I've been at the bedside of a lot of people in their last hours, some in their last minutes. And listen, not one time, not one time did anyone ever say to me, Preacher, can you tell me my net worth one more time? Nor have I ever had anyone in their last hours, last minutes, hey, preacher, will you bring me my stuff so I can look at it one more time? No, what do they want? Let me tell you what they want. They want the people around them that they've shared life with. Why? Because what really matters in life is relationships. And as we're, as we're living rich in relationships, we're living our lives rich toward God. As we're investing in people and investing in relationships. What is that? That's living your life rich toward God. And value in life, hear me friends, value in life is not found in what you have or what you gather, but it's discovered in the relationships you invest in. So I challenge you, I encourage you, invest well. Invest well. Choose to be a grace giver, lid lifter, bucket filler as you're investing in the lives of others. 
Let me unpack those three really quick. Because when I think about investing in relationships, I think about these three terms. First, I want to be a grace giver. What does it mean to be a grace giver? Grace is this. I give others what they don't deserve. So when I'm giving grace, rather than condemning and being legalistic, I'm affirming and encouraging. That's grace. Rather than believing the worst about someone or a situation, I'm believing the best. What is it? That's grace. Rather than holding on to a grudge, I quickly forgive. What is that? It's grace. And as we bring grace, as, as we're living grace out in our relationships, then let me tell you what's going to happen. Relationships are going to thrive. And in that what you're going to honor God. So, so first, I would encourage you to be a grace giver. Second, second thing I would encourage you to do is be a lid lifter. What's a lid lifter? In my mind, a lid lifter is someone who sees the potential in my life and they lift that lid so I can grow a little more toward that potential. What they're lifting the lid. When you lift the lid on others' lives, let me tell you what you're doing. You're adding value to them. And as you're adding value to them, what happens? The relationship thrives. So be a grace giver. Be a a lid lifter. Thirdly, be a bucket filler. A bucket filler. Maybe you've heard me talk about this before, but, but in my mind, everyone in life is either a bucket dipper or a bucket filler. Either they're individuals that's dipping out of your bucket, draining you, or they're individuals pouring into your bucket bringing life for you. Now, without looking to your right or left, how many of you know some bucket dippers? We all do, don't we? What do you do? What do you do when you, you see a bucket dipper coming your way? You know, like if I'm in the grocery store and I see a bucket dipper coming, all of a sudden it's like... <laughs> I, I don't want them dipping out of my bucket. I know they're just they're gonna drain, they're gonna suck life out of me. And so I hide I'm I'm sorry, I'm ashamed to say that. But I do. I didn't just make that up. I don't crawl on the grocery floor, but I I quickly dart around no no because I, I I just don't I don't want them dipping out of my bucket. If I'm if I'm in my church office wearing my pastor's hat on the you know, you can come dip out of my bucket. But when I'm shopping and I'm buying groceries, I don't want anybody dipping out of my bucket. I'm just kind of hanging out. I'm trying to dig myself out of the hole that I just dug. If you're... But there are, in life, you know what I'm talking about. There's bucket dippers. But then there's bucket fillers. And those are the individuals that pour into us affirmation, encouragement, praise they celebrate us be a bucket filler don't be a bucket dipper and when you're pouring into others buckets can i tell you what happens relationships thrive this past week i buried one of my good friends who was a bucket filler uh, bill cagle some of you may be familiar with that name an amazing an amazing man of god and the thing I loved about Mr. Cagle is Mr. Cagle was a bucket filler. I can't tell you, if I had an hour, I could tell you stories of how he poured into my life. 
how he poured into my family's life. It was evident on Wednesday when we had his celebration of life service. This whole section was full of people. Let me tell you why they were here. They were here honoring a man who was a bucket filler. He invested in their lives. He invested in the relationship. And again, when you do that, folks, hear me. You're doing more than building relationships. You're living your life rich toward God. Because when we think about what's valuable in life, and we think about what's going to carry on into eternity, there's two things that you're doing right now that will carry on into eternity. In other words, you're doing it now, and you're going to experience it, and you're going to enjoy it in eternity, and it's all about relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others. It's those two things that's going to continue on in eternity. It's those two things that have value in our lives. So I encourage you to live rich, to invest well. Invest well in your relationships. So at Grace, at Grace, in this place, we want to be those who live rich. Rich toward God. Rich in good deeds. Rich in generosity. Rich in relationships. And as we choose to live rich, listen, not only will we live well, but we will finish well. As I conclude this morning, I want to invite you to read this declaration with me. It's kind of the summary of what we've talked about the last two Sundays. It's more than just words on the screen. It's really a statement that, you are, that you're making to God this morning. God, I want to live my life like this. Now listen, if you don't want to live like this, then don't say it. If you want to live boring, that's fine with me. But if you want to open your life in a radical way to who God is and the fullness of God in your life, I invite you this morning to make this declaration with me as to how you're going to live your life. If you're with me this morning, let's read this like we mean it. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in my riches, but in Him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will do more and give more. Well, Holy Spirit, help us to live it out. And we don't want this just to be words that we read on a screen. Lord, we, we really want this to shape how we process life, how we see life, how we do life. God, we want to live our lives rich toward You. We don't want to just be earthly rich. God, we want to be earthly rich and heavenly rich. How we, how we process, God, all that You bring our way. Lord, may we do it in a God-honoring fashion. Lord, may we not put our hope in the stuff that's so temporary, but God, may our hope be firmly established in You. And out of that, out of that, may we be rich in good deeds. May we, may we be rich in generosity. May we be rich in our relationships. And in that, God, what I know is we'll honor You, we'll live well, and we'll finish well. So Holy Spirit, help us to that end. Or everyone in the room. Because what I know, for every one of us, every day, it just becomes, this becomes an ongoing issue, an ongoing challenge. 
So Lord, may we consistently be asking why, 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 why has God blessed me with so much? Why has He brought opportunity? Why has He positioned me? Why has He given me assets that I can leverage? Why? Lord, we want to enjoy all that You've blessed us with. There's no condemnation. We want to celebrate Your goodness. Lord, we want to be good stewards who honor You. You've made us rich in every way so that... We can be generous on every occasion. Holy Spirit, help us to live it out. This week, next week, for the rest of the days of our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.